good spirit-led preaching, particularly if you're a part of a good church as we've defined it, it should sit with you that Monday to Saturday. You have to have a community that loves you enough that will tell you... Well, welcome everybody to the Dream Lifestyle Podcast, your place to build your faith and master your craft. In this conversation, we're going to be talking about how your church plays a role in your success, because where you're not planted, you cannot grow. So it's very important that you have a church home, but we're going to be really talking about um, the different ways in which that is important. And to have this conversation, I have the great bishop, the greatest bishop, the best pastor I know, uh, who is also just happens to be my father. Uh, Pastor Trevon Gross Sr. is here with me. How you doing, sir? God bless you. Doing great. Grace and peace to everyone. I'm honored to be here on this podcast. See, I hope y'all can just tell by his voice that he's just bishop, just bishop. That's why he gets the, <laughs> the title of that. But um, for I, I start off the show every single time just asking people, what are you doing right now to intentionally grow? Oh, it's a great question. During this season in my life, it is really about self-examination. So you can never know where you're going until you really have pinned down where you are and how you got to where you are. So this season for me is really just examining myself. How did I do with my goals? How did I do with accomplishing the things that I wanted to accomplish and where I am with all of them, what I could do better, what I could have done more of, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's what then propels me forward to set new goals for the year and um, the expectations of what I want God to do in my life. I think I think that's really cool for you just because you're in a position of leadership. You obviously are a pastor over Hope Cathedral and everything like that, where people look to you. Um, but I always think it's interesting that you basically are doing the very same things that I mean, I tell people to do, but everyone should be doing right. That a lot of times people think it's like some mystified, you know, in order to be there, I have to have some sort of special gene. When I love your answer, it was just like I'm basically examining, OK, what got me to where I am. But then also really like doing the data analysis of, OK, what got me there? Because I think that's that second step that you mentioned is a point that I know I've missed it where it's just like, OK, what this is what I've done. But I've never really gone deeper and actually analyzing OK, well, what did I do to get there? Where it's just like, OK, I did that. So if I could do that, then I should be able to do that as opposed to like, well, what went into completing that past thing? And, you know, we're talking about just the role church plays. And I think it's very important, particularly as believers, especially as society is kind of, I'm not going to say they're going away from church, but I think they're starting to lose the, the value of what being a part of a church actually means. And so for you in that answer, obviously you leading a church, but obviously you've been a part of church pretty much your whole life. How does that process that you described of being able to self-reflect and everything like that, talk about how just being a part of church applies to that? Like how does, in what ways does that affect it? Sure. Well, if you're in a good church, you are constantly confronted with how did I get here, which is that question that we have to ask ourselves. And it's the, one of the tougher questions. You can easily so examine yourself and say, hey, I look great. Yep, everything's great and wonderful. But if you're going to be honest with yourself, even as it relates to the areas where you did not perform as well as you should have, you then unearth a lot of things that confront you and confronting ourselves is one of the hardest things we do. But scripture even lets us know uh, in 1 Corinthians 11 that we must examine ourselves. Let a man examine himself. So, so we can't fully be who God wants us to be if we're oblivious to how we got to where we are. Good, bad, or indifferent. We, we must be able to examine that. And we need community. I think the thing is that's key for us is we all need community. That's important. Now, the question is what kind of community 
that we're a part of. Yeah. Because you could be a part of a group that is uh, full of adulation and they pump you up and they fill your head with all kinds of, of ideas of, of how great and wonderful you are, which, which may not be true, but yet you have this false sense of security. Uh, so when you're in a community, you have to have a community that loves you enough that will tell you the things you don't want to hear. Yeah. Because we all have a blind side. We all have an area that we can't fully see, but yet we have to work on that because that's where our growth lies. That's where our deficiencies are that need to be improved on. And if all we have around us are people who just pat us on the back and say, great job, great job, great job, then you'll never hear what you need to hear to truly grow. Yes. So that's why it, it matters what church you're in, because if you're in a church that just you're all right, you're great and wonderful, keep on going, keep on doing you, right. you're not going to grow. And and my approach to ministry has always been to challenge, not uh, to challenge to to have a, a mirror put in front of each of us and for us to examine ourselves, yeah. because. If not, human nature is such that it will always want to examine someone else. Ooh, wait, wait, wait. That's so good because you're, you're getting ahead of me. Because I, I want to go back to, you know, you said a good church. Like I want to we're going to break that down. But you, you also brought up how community because in the same way, right, God created all of us differently. So that means we all have different needs in different areas. That's why I'm a firm believer. There shouldn't be necessarily one church that's just across the nation that everyone goes to because everyone has different areas and different blind spots, as you said, that they do need growth in. But all of us do have, again, the blind spots where we need people, we need community that are able to speak to it. Talk about just what is a good church? Like, what are some things that people can look to look for if they're like, okay, well, what I don't know, like I go to church because a lot of people, you know, they do the check box. I go to church, but how can they define? And, and let's say this is a person who you're like, okay, I want to grow. I want to grow, whether it's spiritually, I want to grow, whether it's personally, financially, whatever it is, how do I even know if I'm in a good church? And we're not talking about nobody's church, obviously, but just, just in general, because the church absolutely should have a standard, right? There's, there's biblical references for why the church or how I should say the church has a standard, but let's, what is a good church? Excellent question. A good church is a Bible believing, Bible teaching communion. That's that's where it starts. Now you can I need to unpack that because people say they're Bible believing, but you're not Bible believing if you don't have truth at the at the heart of what you're teaching. Big T capital T truth. Capital T truth. Yes. Not not negotiable truth, not my truth, but actually an objective truth to which everyone in the community is submitted. That's where it starts. And by everyone, I mean pastor to everybody, that everyone lives by this biblical standard. So, so that is a key aspect, because if we don't have the agreement on what truth is, then everybody comes to that place and they're looking for fun. They're looking for uh, affirmation. Um, and the truth of the matter is, as humans, we don't always need to be affirmed yeah. because some of the stuff we're doing is not pleasing to God. Yeah. And that's why I love the word that you said, challenge. Like your goal, at least in terms of how you said you approach ministry, has always been to challenge. Right. Because I do think challenge, I think, also encompasses affirmation, right, where it's it's a I can challenge you. And when you step up to the challenge, there there should be, and just that's what you do with, I think, good leadership. Right. You know, when someone steps up to the challenge, there should be affirmation in that. But 
it doesn't stop there. Right. And I think so often people are used to churches, organizations, just their communities, whatever community they're a part of, stopping at the affirmation, oh, you're so great, you're so smart, God's going to bless you, the favor of the Lord's over your life, you know, God has a plan for you, Jeremiah right. twenty nine eleven, and it just stops there, but it's like, no, there should be the next level. It should be, all right, let's talk about what's next for you. Right. And I right. think that's that's where, um, you know, obviously I've seen you, you're, you're my pastor, but obviously I've seen it from the beginning. Um, I've seen you walk this out where you've actually challenged people and even cooler than that, they've stepped up to the plate. Amen. And so with you, how how do you how do you handle, I guess, in the challenging, right? We talked about what a good church is. It's Bible believing, Bible teaching, um, basically operating on capital T truth. In today, right, in today, and it's somewhat of a tangent, but it's applicable to what we're talking about. How do you I'm not going to say how do you walk that line, but how in, in a day where people are chasing the sensationalism of church, because I think there's like two groups. You have people that are kind of off of church because they're like they're dealing with, quote unquote, church hurt. and We'll, t- we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But you also have people who are just like, I just want to go hear a great word from a popular sermon, pastor, whatever. And the checkbox, like, how do you kind of, I guess, keep it interesting, but also like, no, we're still going to keep it. Uh, according to what the Bible says. Right. I think the other aspect of a good church beyond Bible teaching, Bible believing is also spirit filled and spirit led. Agreed. So the spirit component is what gives that dynamism. It's what gives that quote unquote excitement factor. And it also gives that uh, where did that come from factor, that mm-hmm. surprise factor? Like, how does he know that? You know, is he talking directly to me? That right. type of thing. And so it's, it's, it's under the auspices of the Holy Spirit that the church can really be who Jesus created it and founded it to be. Because without the Spirit of God, we become legalistic. We become very much, you know, demanding of people and trying to force them to do things where in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led church, we now are feeling that conviction of the Holy Spirit. So even when the message is over, even when you left church and you're out in your car and you're heading home, the Spirit of God is still working on you. Yeah, The Spirit of God is still taking that word and still pointing out to, to, to each person, hey, this is the area you have to work on. Hey, this is what he said in the sermon. What you're doing right now is exactly the opposite of what the Bible wants you to do. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. He convicts us of sin. That's he right. convicts us of righteousness. And that's what we need because it's not about what the preacher is saying per se. It is about what the Spirit of God wants to do in us because ultimately he knows us. That's right. That's he knows good. who we are and he knows where, where we're going and he knows the thoughts of our heart. That's good. And I think, I think to, to even say what you said in a different way, a pastor's job is not so, a pastor's job is to guide, but in terms of the actual preaching part of it, I think it's more so the goal of it is to stir someone's spirit, not get someone excited. Like, I know for me, I'm super, super young in my pastoral career or whatever you want to call it, that, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to get people excited. I want people to be have fun to come to church and then enjoy it and everything like that. And I remember when I was praying, God was like, I just need you to get people to think, not get them excited. And that kind of floored me. But also at the same time, when I look at the cloth I'm cut from, that's never getting people excited is not necessarily um, the go to. It's not it's not like the the main event when it comes to. My preaching, your preaching that I've seen, um, and any real preaching. And I, and I love how you said that, you know, good spirit-led preaching, particularly if you're a part of a good church as we've defined it, 
it should sit with you that Monday to Saturday. Your spirit should, you should be able to literally see, you know, wow, that in that sermon, that, that stood out to me, right? Like where you're sitting there and you're like, wow, okay, this is like, you feel that challenge that you said. And I, I'll never forget, you know, and, and I bring, I tell this story because like, you're my dad. So I hear you talk all the time. So like, you know, a lot of most sermons, I shouldn't say most, but a good amount of them. I'm kind of like, all right, my dad's preaching. Okay. I like this. Good, good, good. But I remember you preached on, um, it was idolatry. It was idolatry. And I think I told you, this is like, I think your best sermon series ever to me. And it, I had that level of conviction because to your point, the Holy Spirit will convict and guide. And I think I read it in, um, I want to say John 16, where it just kind of defines what the Holy Spirit and the role it plays in our lives. And I just remember that series really convicted me because at the time, you know, I'm dealing with basketball, dealing with business and all that different type of stuff where I was like, okay, wait, like, are there idols in my life? And I, and I know just talking from other people, a lot of other people were like, man, like, no, that really was that really sat with me to the point where, again, it wasn't even so much a, the challenge wasn't a, you know, my pastor's challenging me to get rid of all the idols in my life. It was more of like, no, like I was reminded or told about a concept, a principle that God hates. And it was told to me in such a way that stirred my spirit where it's like, wait a minute, I need to like reevaluate my life. (laughs) And I think that's, that is, you know, a sign. So it's like for people who, you know, who just need even more elementary version of what you said is like, if you're sitting in church and your pastor's preaching and the only thing you can say is that was a good sermon, <laughs> you're probably not in the right church. Now, that's not to say you're going to feel that every sermon, every Sunday, because I think that's not necessarily the, I don't want to say that's the wrong expectation. I, I don't know. You can tell me if that's right or wrong, but more times than not, you should be able to sit in service, hear the pastor, hear the pastor preach and be like, okay, I'm challenged to go to another level in whatever area that we're talking about. Right. And that really should be the dominant response to messages. Yes. It shouldn't be, you know, once in a while. Mm-hmm. It should really be almost be every message brings a challenge because we all are works in progress. Yep. That is why years ago in ministry, I moved away from the excitement model to more of a teaching model because people need to get it. And scripture says, Mark chapter four, that if you receive the word of God with excitement, it's not going to last. And Mm. so if I preach to uh, make people excited, if I want, you know, we all can do it in any able, any, any, all right, (laughs) you know, won't he do it? Yes. Um, And those are triggers for, for most of us where we will get into that, get into that mode. And then you add the the organ with it. Oh yeah. You put that music underneath. Forget it. Oh boy. It's it's done with, (laughs) you know, but you haven't done anything. Right. You filibuster. I call that filibustering. Right. You just filibustered, you know, you filled time and that was it. But you haven't touched anybody's life. And ultimately, that's what it's about. It's about touching someone's life so that we all can be better. And I think I'd say the the other aspect I would add to a definition of a church is that that pastor is a first partaker of his own meal. Mm. Well, that that God works on the pastor first with the message. And then the pastor is qualified to teach that message to the people. And when you talk about that idolatry series, that was God-led. That was completely a God thing. And uh, I was on sabbatical, and, and during a time of prayer, God dropped it in my spirit, and then he laid the whole series out. But when he laid it out, it was all about me. It wasn't about, oh, this person in the church or that person in the church. It was about, no, you got to search your own heart. 
Remember at this season when you did this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And after God had convicted me and I began to work on me, then I came and taught it to the church. Gotcha. You yeah. see? So you, the the messages have a greater amount of authority when they're spirit-led uh, and the person who is partaking of that message first is that pastor. That's good. And I think even in your answer, what I'm hearing is the pastor needs to have a level of transparency to to be able to be the first partaker, right? To have the level of transparency to kind of, whether it's, he, it's said or unsaid, that this series, this message or whatever was worked on me first. And then to your point, I'm basically passing along the same message that God gave me first um, that 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 convicted me, that challenged me, you know, as the pastor to grow and do what's necessary. And uh, I want to I want to make somewhat of a hard pivot going back a little bit to addressing church hurt. And I wanted to address this because we're talking about the role church plays in people's success and growth. There's a lot of people who I think forget the fact that while church is ordained by God, but they forget that it's run by people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who I think are dealing with quote unquote church hurt when the truth is it's, they just don't want to deal with accountability. So t- I want to hear just your thoughts on, you know, how does someone, well, first off, let's define what is church hurt? Like, like genuine church hurt. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good question. I would define church hurt as an, an a displeasing experience which caused an offense as a part of the local church. And that's a broad definition, mm-hmm. but I want to keep it broad because people have experienced a lot of different hurt from the church. Now, I think there are delineations that need to be made because a person who's church be- hurt because of spiritual abuse is different than a person who's hurt because somebody sat in my seat or I didn't get the position that I wanted to get. Right. And we kind of lump them all together. And uh, we then don't fully appreciate the depth of the hurt. Yeah. So there are churches, I don't know of as many nowadays as they were years ago, but there are some spiritually abusive churches. I mean, there are churches where the pastor used to take out a belt and actually beat the people. When they when they were did something that wasn't pleasing, I couldn't imagine that being happening today. <laughs> Twitter Twitter would go crazy. I could not imagine that. <laughs> exactly, but 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 that but years ago you you had a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but my concern with church hurt, and I am not minimizing anybody's experience. So I need everyone who's listening to hear me that it's not minimizing anybody's uh, uh, perceived hurt or hurt that you've experienced, but. We experience hurt in a lot of different arenas, but for some reason we magnify it when it's from church. And I get it because church is supposed to be a safe place and everything else, but the source of that hurt is not always this spiritual abuse type of stuff. It's more, I didn't get my way, they didn't give me the position, I didn't get the title or or whatever else, yeah. or, or you know the unmet expectations of, you know, well, I've given this amount, so I should be this and all that kind of stuff. And if we just narrow in on spiritual abuse hurt, which I do believe is the smallest portion, that's where we need to be helping people get over it. Um, But if you're just in a state of offense because you didn't get your way or because your toes were stepped on, um, then that's a part of growth. That's actually an immaturity where you've brought that on yourself because 
any people enterprise is going to have a part as a part of it some level of disappointment. Yes. Now the question is, are you going to be mature enough to handle that and keep it moving? Because there is not one job you've ever worked, one social organization you've ever been in where things did not go your way. And you and most of the time we don't just pull back and be like, I'm not going to the, to that organization anymore because of what such and such. Right. You know, we've had bad experiences at restaurants. We didn't we didn't say we're going to stop eating out. Right. Exactly. You know? So in in a lot of those areas people have tried to claim church hurt when it really is just they got their feelings hurt because they couldn't get their way. Yeah. Cuz it's it's easier to claim that. And I think Correct. that's why people do it. Like it's just it's easier to just claim, you know, church hurt. But most of the time, I think a lot of people, they don't even define it until it's brought up or the questions asked like what church do you go to or why don't you go to church or right. what do you do right. on Sundays? Like it's only until that point do people even just say Oh, well, I'm just dealing with church hurt. But a lot of times, and I think this is not even specific to church hurt, I think in general, society is in a space where people are okay with just saying, oh, I'm dealing with fill in the blank, and there's a period at the end. And there's not that step of, well, you're you going to get out of it? You're going to do something about right. it? Okay, you're, you're, you're depressed. What are you going to do about it? Are you, you feel anxiety? What are you going to do about it? As opposed to having, I call them like struggle wars where it's like one person raising their hands. I deal with this. Well, I deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I, but it's like, okay, well, everyone's dealing with something cool. Like, you know, again, we're not minimizing anything, but are we doing anything about this? Like what? And so I, I want to, how does someone, cause I, and I want to actually go back and respond to what you said. You said that, you know, some people need to have the mature response to when, I just say it as people are people or they don't get their way. Ultimately going to church is about focusing on God, not quote unquote, going to a building, right? Like you should be going to church because you're, you're doing it unto the Lord. It shouldn't be, well, you know, again, I'm going to just see sister, such and such or brother, such and such. And I get to serve and be a part of something great. Like, like there's an aspect of that, but at the very heart of everything that you do, particularly, you know, that's connected to church, it needs to be, well, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for my well-being. I'm doing this for my growth. And it's just understanding that the church is an institution created by God. There's plenty of biblical references for it. I'll send people to you so you can fully explain it to them. (laughs) But it's an institution created so that way we're able to grow. That's necessary in our lives, right? And that's biblical. Right. How does someone... How does someone overcome that church hurt? So let's 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 talk about that that smaller percentage of people we're talking about spiritual abuse, and they've genuinely had a negative experience, um, and they're trying to figure out well how do I overcome? How does someone overcome church hurt? Okay, so when you're in that authentic church hurt is what I'll call it, mm-hmm. you just find a new church and you examine it based on the experience you had previously where there was spiritual abuse. And there's a lot, there, there, there used to be, I don't see as much nowadays, but there used to be a lot of churches that did a lot of what I call hocus pocus stuff, where they manipulated right. people to get them to give and all these other types of things. But at some point, a lot of that fell away when, when generations died off. And now you, you, you know, you still have, I'm sure there are pieces uh, around the world where, right. where, where that happens, but it's important for you to know that you get back in. You find a church, you find another church, you examine it maybe a little bit better. You ask the right questions, go in and have an interview with one of the pastors to just ask real authentic questions. And, but you don't stay home. You don't, you don't stay in the offense. Yeah. 
because we need the church. I know there's a mindset that says now that I can be spiritual. I can be a Christian without a church. Yeah. Well, that's just like a person who says I can be married, but I don't ever come home. You, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> I like that. I got you. I'm going to start. I'm going to take that yeah. one. <laughs> we, we, we can't, we can't do that. We, we need to be in church. Why? Because that's what Jesus said upon this rock. I'll build my church. So the church as a concept is not a man-made concept. It's Jesus's concept. And the Bible tells us that we cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together, which is the habit of some. So we got to get back in church and your being out of church is fulfilling the devil's plan for your life and not God's plan for your life. And you have to determine, hey, whose side am I going to be on? Am I going to be on the devil's side to hurt me? Or am I going to go ahead and get back in and start doing what God wants me to do? Because ultimately, we're on this earth to please him. That's right. We're on this earth to please him. And so it's not about what we choose. I mean, it's easy. A lot of people during COVID, when churches shut down, a lot of people said, ooh, good. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to come to church. I can just live my life and my Sundays are mine. Well, that is a wrong approach to it. And you're going to, and that person is going to sense God's judgment at some point because God is not to be played with. That's People right. who were once faithful now said, I can just live my life the way I want to live it. I got my Sundays free. I can go to brunch and, uh, you know, right. go to athletic events or whatever else. But you are missing the fundamental point that church is a part of our growth structure. Yeah. And I think to even add to it, once that person does overcome the church hurt or they just go to church and they understand that principle that it's it's a part of my growth to be in church. I also do believe that church is the best place to hone your gifts, Absolutely. both natural and spiritual. Absolutely. Because so often we hear about all these singers and actresses and people and everything like that. They all started in church. That's right. The church was the incubator. It was the place where raw talent was refined and and then sent out to the world. Yes. It, and, and that still should be the case uh, because the church is where you see that development from childhood to adulthood. It should. And I think that's the that's the, I think in the. We talked about it just at the foundation level of just what a church is, the role it plays and everything like that. And I like how even when you said how someone overcomes a church hurt, it's basically, you know, kind of full circle in our conversation. Go find another church, but use, you know, our what our definition of what a good church is. And so that way you're able to ask the better questions and everything like that. So you can basically get back on track with honing in your gifts, but then. Not even not even honing in your gifts. Let's start at just discovering your gifts. Just just being a part of a church so you can be challenged that no, there's more in you, whether it's by your pastor, whether it's by your the men's group, women's group, whatever, just whatever um systems and structures that church has in place, where you're challenged to be more. But once you're in, I think then the next level is okay, well, how do I use my gifts, my interests, and my abilities that God has given me? Uh so that way I can you know, get better at the thing, but also I'm, I'm advancing God's kingdom. So I think that's where we go from going from attending church to now serving in church. Amen. So talk, talk about just that, that leap, you know, cause I know there's a lot of people who they're comfortable with going to church and they feel that spirit led challenge every single Sunday or majority of their services uh, when they hear their pastor talk, but talk about the, the, 
what I call just like that quantum leap that happens in someone's life when you go from, okay, I attend faithfully, but now I serve faithfully. Right. And that level of service, I would call being the church. So when you first come in the door, you're doing church, you're going to church, Mm -hmm. but through the process of maturation, through discipleship, you grow to recognize I am representing God. I am working with God to establish his kingdom in the earth. So as I'm serving, I'm literally cooperating with the plan of God for my life. And when I serve, whether it's in church or outside of the church, whether I'm generous inside the church or outside of the church, I literally am advancing God's agenda. I'm working with my heavenly father to accomplish his goals in my life. And that's the the move that we make. We come in, we're spectators, we're looking around, we're seeing what's happening. But at some point we then say, okay, I want to be the church that's and good. I'm ready to be the church uh, because that's really when we, we have harnessed the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, not just in the church, but in us to be able to go out and recognize when I'm on my job, I'm the church. When I'm at home, I'm the church. And I'm always the church in every situation. That's good. And, and so I think to kind of just wrap up, to kind of summarize everything, you know, we talked about one, finding a good church, right? Like whether you have a church already, just evaluating it, you know, based on is it a Bible teaching, spirit led church, but then also it, you want to make sure you're part of a church that is challenging you, but then also making sure that you understand that the church is an institution that was created by God so that way we can grow and basically be all that he's created us to be. Yes. Um and I think that's I think that's good man. This is this is awesome. This is great. Well, Thank look, you for I, having me. Absolutely. Well, look, I hope that you guys got value out of this conversation because we had a blast having it. As you prepare for next week's episode, go check out last week's episode. Always remember your dream is possible as long as you are willing to work for it. We'll see you next week.